Welcome to Young's Court Podcast. It has been a long time. Welcome back. I am so excited. Um, when I last made an episode, I finished on episode 20 and I was talking about the uh, the pandemic and the virus and how it was going to shift basketball and all that stuff <laughs> kind of came true. And, you know, I was at a point where, you know, I wasn't really too concerned about <laughs> basketball and speaking on my podcast anymore. I was more concerned about what life was going to be like um, during the pandemic. And, you know, who knew at that time that it would tra- uh, translate into something that was so long. Um, we didn't see the NBA season for a while. Um, we went into the bubble, yada, yada. What um, a time to be alive. And, to, you know, luckily we are back and basketball's back. And I want to get back into, you know, doing something that I really love um, doing, which is speaking. Um, because the this episode, I was at episode 20. And I was really hitting a great mark in speaking about basketball. So um, I'm back. And get excited. I am. So uh, coaching, uh, you know, myself, you know, I've been coaching for 12 years. Um, and this weekend I have three championship games at uh, three, uh, two different levels, uh, three different teams. Um, really excited for them. And, you know, it just reminds me, you know, coming back on the show, the importance of relationships, expanding them and dealing with players and situations so important for a coach. Um, and, you know, I, I have a bunch of kids that are telling me that they're scared to play this weekend. And, you know, real basketball players don't get scared. They push through adversity. They're excited like I am to do this show. And, um, you know, coaching has really uh, brought me back to this because there's so much that I can still learn. There's so much I can still give to other people from my perspective, um, which has um, went from a player um, to a coach uh, over the years. Um, last night, I got to see uh, the McDonald's All-American game. Um, Jersey players did really well. I can't start talking on this show without talking about the McDonald's All-American game. We had um, Aaron Bradshaw, seven-footer going to Kentucky. Um, he really rebounded the ball well, had a great pick-and-roll game, shot uh, pretty well from the free-throw line. Um, and Marco Jackson is a steal for Kansas, um, a player that um, he left um, Jersey. Uh, to go to high school, uh, uh, but he had a solid game last night. He is very explosive, very explosive in the dunk contest the night before. Um, and then, you know, we talk about uh, Mackenzie Mbako didn't have a great show in going to Duke. Um, and I think he it, he is going to be the benefit of getting to play with uh, DJ Wagner, um, getting to play with Aaron Bradshaw and in, in, in that, uh, I mean, getting to play at, at uh, Duke's system, he's going to just be able to knock down shots and spread the court and post up smaller guys. And then uh, I'm already thinking about DJ Wagner. How couldn't you after last night's performance? Um, him and Isaiah Collier, uh, they were co-MVPs. I really thought DJ Wagner should have just won the MVP. He scored all his points in the second half. And it wasn't even just about that. He came out and played defense. Um, that's what the McDonald's All-American game was all about last night. Even when we say they scored over 100 points, both teams, I've never seen a game that had that type of intensity, um, all-star game, on defense. And it was the way that he tried to facilitate in the first half and then came out in the second half and was like, okay, it's time to score. His team was down by about 10 points, and they came back um, through various kinds of the basket, hitting threes. He had a steal, uh, dunk opportunity. What a game. But the winner of last night, because I'm talking Jersey guys, Jersey guys have been doing amazing. We're talking NCAA tournament, talking high school. Uh, we're talking NBA. Jersey has really been shining. But Bronny James, um, a player that 
he's a unique talent. Um, I think people would try to write him off and they said he can never be LeBron. Well, he doesn't have to be LeBron. Um, no kid has to be their parent or better than their parent. He's carving out his own lane. He's already something that LeBron is not. He's a good three-point shooter. He hit five threes last night, and he is a knockdown shooter with good size and a good defender. Um, I think people have him as a point guard right now. Um, he had a few turnovers last night because the size and athleticism, um, you know, he, there were kids out there bigger than him, but his ability to shoot the ball, coming off screens, uh, shoot the ball open, knocking down open shots, I think after watching Isaiah Collier, the way he plays, um, and knowing that Ronnie went to Sierra Canyon, he's out there, USC would be a fantastic fit for him, just like Kevin Durant said. An amazing fit for him. Um, he could come in next year and do exactly what he does at a high level, and I feel like that could uh, help his trajectory to the NBA the year right afterwards. Um, so great McDonald's All-American game. <laughs> I was really excited about that. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. Um, I got a chance to watch, uh, you know, USA soccer during this international break. One game, seven, nothing, clearly opponent, not that too good. Don't even need to mention next game, uh, El Salvador, um, little disappointment with the one. Oh, fans will be disappointed. Soccer, sometimes low scoring. I love soccer. Um, but, uh, USA made a huge mistake going to the world cup without Ricardo Pepe. He continuously produces on the international stage for American soccer. Does not matter about who we're playing, matters about the result. If the game is one nothing, if the game is seven nothing before and he scored three goals in those two games, how do we leave him off the roster? Um, he's going to be somebody we really need to keep healthy going to the World Cup. You see the Weston McKinney's had great games, even though statistically you really can't tell Christian Pulisic played solid. The team looks good right now. Um, the matchup with, uh, you know, in the next round with Mexico is going to be tough um, just because of the rivalry. But this is a game now that USA, you look at USA, Canada, you look at Panama, you look at Mexico, you look at the CONCACAF region. USA is clearly has more talent than the other teams in this region. They should win, hands down. And if they don't, if they lose to Mexico or they lose to Canada or Panama, it is a disaster <laughs> in my eyes. This roster that we have right now, once we find a forward, it's solid, really good midfield. You're looking at players that are playing all over the world. Um, Gio Reyna played well. McKinney, Pulisic, like I said, um, this is a solid team. Uh, so I'm really excited for USA Soccer. Huge fan. All right, um, now on to the NCAA tournament. Wow, what a tournament. We're down to the final four, and I literally, I had a bracket challenge in my school where I teach, and um, I taught uh, the middle school kids how to do a bracket. <laughs> Some of them, you know, it's the people who don't know anything about college basketball who look at the mascots, literally, are the people who normally do well on brackets. The people who watch so much basketball like me, literally to my eyes bleed at night, we normally get nothing right on the bracket. I mean, I picked Texas to win the championship. I just want to be completely transparent. Texas, they were up by 10 and lost. That's the way college basketball goes. But I had a kid in my class. He chose Miami to win the national championship, and he chose them to play again. <laughs> and he chose San Diego State in his final four. So he has two teams intact. I don't know who else in the country has two teams intact in their final four. But what a tournament. This tournament 
has really shown how the uh, discrepancy in large colleges with tons of funding has really, the gap has closed from the smaller schools. And I can tell you, it really has to do with going back to the pandemic. Guys can play that extra year now. People are like, Drew Timmy's been here for like five years. Well, I mean, he can still have another year eligibility um, next year, which is crazy because that pandemic year really didn't count for players. So if they were there, uh, you know, playing during that year, they get another year, which I think is honestly, I think it's fair, but you know, it's really created like I, I, some stigma. Sabrina Ionescu came on and, and said, you know, I, I, is it fair if a player breaks um, their scoring record or a record and they play five seasons versus they play four? Um, and, and that's a great debate. And I think it should not count. <laughs> I mean, you, you scored the points you did. You, you got the steals, you got the whatever, but you played an extra season, right? Even if the season was cut short, even if you didn't get the NCAA tournament, he played an extra season. So to, to compare those two things, they, they really shouldn't be compared. Um, but going back to the the, 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 the transfer rule also, uh, because now kids can transfer so easily. Um, I, I really feel bad for these kids. If it's not working at a certain school or situation, they literally just go and transfer. Um, you know, and we see the transfer market is playing a big role on high school seniors now. Um, and junior college kids, because now it's really getting cut down. It's really difficult um, to play in college now, to be a Division One player, to get into this NCAA tournament. You see a lot of these guys, I saw less um, freshman standouts in the tournament than I've ever seen. Normally, at this time of the year, we're talking about in the Final Four, we're talking about uh, freshmen increasing their stock, helping carrying their team. Um, the only one that I've seen is the seven foot two player Donovan Clinton on UConn. He is uh, really increasing his stock as this tournament's going. But you really look around the tournament and you say, uh, well, where are they? They're not really in the final four, the, the big time freshmen. And, you know, I think that's because of this transfer rule. And now because of the pandemic, guys can play longer. So it's making it harder for the high school seniors, making it harder um, for the freshmen in college to really be a standout, right? When you're playing against guys and playing for five years and you're playing against guys who would just literally just transfer. They literally just transfer and they put the pressure on these freshmen um, for, for playing time immediately. It's an interesting uh, situation. But, you know, when I watch this tournament, um, Florida Atlantic is a great story. Um, I can't believe they're in the Final Four. But they have the best record out of any team in college basketball. 35 wins up to this point, 35 and three total record, including the NCAA tournament. I don't think they should win, <laughs> can win any more games, but you say that every game and they continue to win. Then we look at San Diego State. I am the type of guy who watches so much basketball. They came on literally at 1030 on a weekday night, West Coast game. And they are a team that if you didn't get to see play, they have really good size and athleticism, and they are a really good defensive team. They might be the best defensive team that I saw in college basketball all year. Um, and they also are kind of like a team that's older, you know, like um, so in their conference was very underrated this year. Um, I saw multiple teams like Boise State, uh, New Mexico in their conference uh, that were really good. Uh, would not be surprised if San Diego State went on. Uh, to win the national championship. I mean, there's two games left now. And then you talk about Miami. Miami has a fantastic team. Um, last year, they had a good run in the tournament. This year, um, Isaiah Wong from New Jersey, ACC Player of the Year, having a great NCAA tournament. And 
What's really good about Miami, which they're undersized, but they can stretch you out and they can score almost every possession. That puts so much pressure on the defense. And then we talk about um, my favorite pick at the end. I said this after Elite Eight. I said, UConn, let's watch UConn. Danny Hurley is an incredible story. Just being from Jersey, and I keep going back to Jersey, this Jersey that being from Jersey and seeing that the Hurley tradition, having the opportunity to play against St. Anthony's like I did, and to know the tradition of St. Anthony's, and then seeing that uh, Danny Hurley is going to have a chance at winning a national championship is really incredible. He didn't have a good, he, he didn't have the career that his brother did. Um, he's wasn't the decorated coach like his dad, but he had a great, he was a great coach at St. Benedict's in New Jersey. But to end up at UConn, what a legacy he's continuing to create for his family if they win the national championship. And even if they don't, I saw Stefan Castle last night in the McDonald's All-American game. He is a transcending player as well. Do not sleep on UConn going forward. And also what UConn is doing is very, very underrated for the future of the Big East. People think the Big East has fell off. It has not fell off. Look at UConn and look what they've done in this tournament. NCAA tournament has been fantastic. Hop on UConn now. The Vegas has them as huge underdog. I mean, uh, huge favorites right now. I think it was minus one, 135 with two games to go. Um, that's a good pick right now. Uh, you know, you're not going to get any other good picks. I would say another team that could really, I mean, any of these teams, uh, but they have UConn as such a, a, a large favorite. For me, it's the, the winner of the championship is between this UConn and Miami game. That's for me specifically. All right. Um, I'm so excited to be back. It's it's so crazy how, you know, I want to hear how you're doing or how everybody's doing. I want pushback on all my comments, my statements. I love it. I love to speak basketball. Um, but most importantly, I, this show was predicated on doing an NBA uh, power rankings. I did that every week and I'm bringing that back. And, you know, this, because we're almost reaching the playoffs, there's not that many games left. I want to make my power rankings going forward about NBA championship favorites. So if you go, uh, you go online and you're trying to get your lock, your future, um, these are the teams that you should pick in this order, I believe. I believe these teams have the best chance to win the NBA championship. So uh, at number one, I'm picking Milwaukee Bucks. Um that might be controversial, but they, I think, you know, Jokic or Embiid is going to win the MVP. Clearly, we understand that. The best player in the NBA, uh, you would ask multiple people, is Giannis. And this is the best team in the NBA. It's a deep team, um, good bench, uh, good shooting, uh, really good defensive team. When I look at the way they would match up with the rest of the teams in the playoffs, um, I think Milwaukee Bucks, it should be our the odds-on favorite to win the, uh, win the NBA championship. At number two, I'm going to put Golden State. Um, people are going to say that they're coming in as a lower seed. Um, when you look at the way the West is constructed, these teams are all close in playoff um, chances, playoff, uh, you know, where they're going to be. And if you get in the, the sixth seed, and let's just say, or the seventh seed, you get in the play-in. I mean, Golden State's above the seventh seed. They're the sixth or fifth seed right now. You really want to match up with Sacramento. And it's no disrespect to Sacramento, but it's the seven-game series in the, in the playoffs where you have to knock off the defending champions. 
I need to see it, right? Um, so I would probably have Golden State as my number two team to win the championship right now. At number three, I'm taking Boston Celtics. Uh, I think what you know what's going to hurt them this year going into the playoffs, and why I wouldn't put them as the odds-on favorite after last year and seeing, you know, how they really had a great chance against uh, Golden State, but came up short. And Jason Tatum, we know Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and we know they have a great team. They have a deep team, probably one of the best rosters in all of the NBA. But when you look at Boston, the big drop-off is coaching this year. Um, he is, uh, their, their coach is a, gr- a good coach, but, um, he's unproven. So, you know, in the playoff series, those key things. And, and one thing I, I realized about Boston and their coach this year is he doesn't like to use timeouts under stress. Um, it's a unique strategy. Um, but in the playoffs, um, coaching is su- super important. Um, play when you take, uh, what plays you call, when you take your timeouts, what strategies, um, you know, Udoka was he was spot on in the playoffs last year, um, you know, and I think the key adjustment that there was really nothing he could do about that Steve Kerr did that solidified is he made the change in who was guarding uh, Draymond Green, you know, who Draymond Green was guarding, and that put all the pressure back because uh, he took Jalen Brown out the series by putting Draymond Green on him, and that really changed the series for me. So coaching adjustments are going to be huge going into this playoffs and I'm concerned about Boston, but great team. I would not be surprised at number four. I'm going to choose the Phoenix Suns. Um, not a deep roster, uh, but when you look at this team's ability and projection, this might be Vegas odds on favorite to win um, the championship uh, because that you, when you look at the way their, their top four players can really affect the series, you're talking about Kevin Durant. He's got to be healthy, but, Come on. In a playoff, in a seven-game series, Kevin Durant can do enough to win you by himself four names. And then you have add Devin Booker to that. And I think when you look at their team, you say, okay, Chris Paul is running at age, but DeAndre Ayton is a player that in the playoffs, he's proven already he is a double-double machine. In the regular season, he's proven he's a double-double machine. He arguably, to me, he is the third best center in the NBA. After Jokic and Embiid, he is not talked about enough. He's somebody that does not demand the basketball, but if you the matchups are in his favor in the playoffs, you can give force feed him, and he will eat most of the centers in the West easily. Really looking forward to see the way they use DeAndre Ayton going forward. At five, we have the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this is an exciting team. It's a team that's deep also. Um, Memphis, you know, the John Morant situation kind of got brushed under the rug. NBA and Memphis, whatever they did behind the scenes to talk about that situation, they handled it perfectly. <laughs> we for, we're gonna we're gonna move on from the fact that he was faded <laughs> drinking and that might have escalated and led to him having a gun out in a video. And um the NBA, the way that they the amount of games that they suspended him, the way that um they kept him away from the league. The way that he went and got counseling, even if it was for a short time, all this stuff gave time away from the fact that something happened and it really helped helped him get himself and his mind back. And that's and, and you know, and, and people are, are comparing that situation to Kyrie, how the NBA didn't support 
Um, but those are com two completely this uh, situations. But the NBA completely supported uh, Ja Morant in this, and I think that's why uh, Memphis is going to be a team that you don't want to play in the playoffs uh, because we're not really sure where his head is at, but we're, you're, you're sure about the roster and the ability. At six, I have Denver. Uh, Denver's the best team in the West record-wise, but they're not a team that I say could beat uh, any of those teams above in a seven-game series uh, until proven. It's a team that in the pandemic, uh, they made uh, the Western Conference Finals, and it's a team that uh, they do a lot of different things well, but the one thing that they don't do well is defend. Uh, in the playoffs, you must defend. Uh, they They can score. Um, but I think Jokic is the liability on defense. Um, I would, you know, whoever's guard, whoever he's guarding in the playoff series is going to be attack, attack, attack. But on the offensive end, we know that he's a triple-double. We know that he gets other guys involved and makes their team uh, one of the best teams in the NBA regular season. And in track meet, open court, him throwing long passes, playing through the high post, super efficient player. One of the most efficient we've ever seen. And at seven, I have Philadelphia 76ers. I personally think on the Philadelphia 76ers that this team should be a team that gets to the finals. When you look at the roster, the way it's developed, the size they have, the ability they have to play through Harden and Embiid. But when you look at the teams that I mentioned above, all of them seem to find a way when Philly does not. Philly's inconsistency is really troubling. Because you're getting a lot from one player, and B should win MVP this year. I personally think he's the most dominant player in the NBA. Um, but Jokic's numbers, uh, you know, and his efficiency rating—that's what the argument's going to be. But when you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, when you have the best and most dominant player in the NBA, but you're still not considered a legit title threat, you have to look at the rest of the roster and the way it's constructed. And it's not that—it's the inconsistencies of Harden, Tobias Harris. Those are the two players we really have to look at. If they show up in a playoff series, and I love those players, huge Nets fan, if they show up, and, and I wish we kept harder. If they show up, it's a dangerous team. If they don't, you know, it's a team that uh, they can get, you know, six, five, six games by Boston, five, six games by Milwaukee. All right? And my last team is the Cleveland Cavs. Uh, whenever you have Donovan Mitchell, and you have all of these little young budding super uh, all-stars or superstars. You know, one of my favorite young players in the league, Evan Mobley. It's a dangerous team in the playoffs. It's a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Um, really excited for this year's playoffs. Really excited to get back to this, uh, you know, Young's Court podcast. This is the pushback episode. Um, I want pushback. I want feedback. And most importantly, I'm just happy to be back, and I hope you enjoyed this episode back. Have a great day. I will see you so soon.